Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. If you have a lot of tasks that you routinely perform over and over again on your iOS devices, you might be interested in learning about how to use shortcuts to make those easier to perform. We'll speak with Anna Dresner, author of Getting the Job Done with Shortcuts, an introduction for blind users, about her book and how you can create and use your own custom shortcuts to more easily perform routine tasks. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Anna Dresner. Don't be afraid to play around with this stuff. If you think something might work, give it a try. The worst thing that's going to happen is it doesn't work. That is great advice. You know, I tell people that about computers in general, not just iOS devices and working with shortcuts. You know, there's really nothing you can do. The worst that happens is you reboot your device. Right. <laughs> so Be brave and experiment, and that's how people learn. Exactly. And have fun with it. <laughs> And there's our tip of the week. See, we told you we'd something to come out, unless you have something else specific you'd like to say. The only other possible one that I can think of is just, you know, if you're looking for the Siri shortcuts, think about things you do often that have a lot of steps that you just would wish you didn't have to work so hard at because there just might be a shortcut. I was really happy to find out, for instance, that Find My AirPods was something you could do as a shortcut. I mean, talk about one that, you know, normally you got to go open, you know, iCloud settings and find my iPhone and then choose your AirPods and then choose play sound. And all of that can be done just by saying, find my AirPods. And that's another thing. If you just, if you think, gosh, I've been doing this a lot. Do I, you know, could there be a shortcut then go to Siri settings and check it out because it might just be sitting there. Right. Siri picked up on the fact that you were doing that repetitively over and over and said, hey, I'll make this easier for you if you look here. Or do it once. I mean, like with the Find My AirPods, I mean, I found that by accident just because I needed to find my AirPods. And then when I checked Siri settings a day or so later, it was sitting there. I was like, oh, <laughs> that works. Well, that's great to know. We now have our AI devices writing code for us automatically. We don't have to be coders <laughs> anymore. Right. Just go look and see if it's there because it might be. And if not, you might have a good time putting it together. <laughs> Support for Eyes on Success is provided by the Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, offering the 2019 New Venture Business Competition to help blind entrepreneurs turn their ideas into actual startups. More information and submission criteria are at www.hadley.edu slash NVC. Let's start by meeting Anna and learning about some of the many other books she's written. I'm Anna Dresner, and I'm very pleased to be here. I have been in the technology field in one way or another, I guess, since, um, well, I've been blind all my life. And so I've you know, learned stuff as I went. And then in the uh, 
mid nineties for well, a couple of months I did tech support for Blazy Engineering and then I ended up working at the Carroll Center for the Blind in Boston for a few years teaching computers. And then I started writing for National Braille Press, which I have done off and on ever since. And somehow I saw an association with you with the National Library Service for the Blind. I do tech support as well. Ah, well, that sounds like fun. So you said you've been writing for the National Braille Press. How many books have you published through them? It's quite a few. And there's, of course, a lot of books that I helped with. And between all of it, I don't know, I might have written 15 or 20 for them at this point. It's I'm not really sure. Wow. Were those all about access technology topics? Well, not all. I've gotten to do some really fun projects here and there, um, especially early on. I think one that was really fun was developing a set of magic tricks you know, so that kids could order a, a kit with like five magic tricks and instructions on how to do them and and then another, we did another book of tricks you could do with stuff you happen to have around the house. That was great. And I helped edit Touch the Stars, the astronomy book that they put out in, well, the second edition that they put out in 2002. Great. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is Anna's new book, Getting the Job Done with Shortcuts, an Introduction for Blind Users. So today, we wanted to talk about your book about using shortcuts in iOS devices. And maybe we can start by just telling people what these shortcuts are if they haven't used them or been introduced to them. Basically, shortcuts are a way of either speaking a command to Siri or giving a command on your device that will cause it to perform a set of steps. There are two basic kinds, one of which is Siri shortcuts, in which you do an action a few times, possibly once, possibly a few more, and Siri picks up on that and offers you the chance to assign a command to it so that you can do it again whenever you want by giving Siri a command. And the other is the Shortcuts app, which is a free app that lets you put together a set of steps. So it's, well, it will allow you to do more complicated things. So let's start with the first type. And you describe this in your book first, because these are the simpler ones, the ones that Siri just automatically generates a shortcut based on things you've been doing. Talk about that and how people start to work with that. Basically, if you perform something on a regular basis, or you do it maybe not that often, but there's quite a few steps to it, you can go to Siri settings and see if Siri has created a shortcut for that. And if so, you can assign a command to it and have it performed regularly. Um, like I had one where every week we listen to the NPR Sunday Puzzle and unfortunately, it is no longer available as a podcast as it once was. So you have to go to the website. And so I can give one command, play the puzzle, and Siri will open Safari and open the website and we're good to go. So just by talking to your phone, this automatically comes up. Exactly. The series of commands in this situation that you're substituting would be first 
open the browser, second, open the website, third, ask it to play a specific segment from the website. I actually have to pick the part of the website. I don't think I could, in that case, get it to just start playing the puzzle. But just having it open it, open Safari and go to the website is still pretty useful. Right. It gets you involved and on the website without a whole lot of work and typing in URLs. Right. So instead of that, you can just say, play the Sunday puzzle. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's handy. Yeah, it's really convenient. And the other neat part about that, as you mentioned, is you can customize what the verbal command is. So if you don't like play a puzzle, it can say play the Sunday puzzle or play my puzzle or anything else you want. Oh, yeah. Any command that you want. You you might want to think about it. And um, actually, one of my reviewers pointed out that if you have a lot of shortcuts, you might want to have some kind of syntax that you would come up with, like always having a particular program name first so that it makes it easier to remember what it is because of course you got to remember the phrases that you come up with so you need a system if you're going to use a lot of them but yeah you can do whatever you want yeah that's true if you have a whole bunch of these things you may not remember the exact syntax that siri is looking for so to precede it with the name of the app is a good idea so when i look in settings for siri as you mentioned in your book there are these siri shortcuts that she sort of makes up based on your usage. But you also find another set of shortcuts there associated with applications that are building in shortcuts. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's really exciting to see different app developers figure out ways to work shortcuts into their apps. Um, Overcast was just really brilliant from the very beginning. Um, That developer decided to put in a whole bunch of them. So if you have a podcast with chapters, you can say next chapter, or you can tell it what speed you want to play at. You know, if you like to switch speeds on a regular basis, it might be handy to be able to tell Siri, you know, to speed up the podcast or play it at normal speed or whatever. Voice Dream Reader, he built in a reading list right at the beginning, which is really neat. If there's a book or series of books or audio files or whatever that you want to listen to, you can add them to a reading list and then you can say whatever your command is, but something like play reading list and it will just open voice stream reader and open the reading list and start playing whatever the first item in that list is. So that can be really convenient. Yeah, that's very handy and very efficient. I mean, certainly we can open up the app after we find it on our phone and then scroll through the interface to look for what we're trying to find. But it's very nice just to be able to speak a simple command and have that all done for you behind the scenes. Yeah, it can really save a lot of time. And I'm sure if somebody has some trouble with using the phone or the gestures or whatever, it can just save a lot of trouble and make it easier. Well, in fact, the first shortcut that we implemented, we have one of these smart speakers whose name I don't want to say. And we used to get up in the morning and tell it to play a specific radio station, and then we had to adjust the volume. And now we just say, play radio. And it knows that that phrase means play this station at this volume. And it's just more convenient. Absolutely. And you can make it really do what you want it to do. So those are all the simple shortcuts, the ones that Siri is defining that you can find in the settings center, the ones that are built into some of the apps 
if developers are nice enough to do that for us. But you can actually write your own shortcuts, and you spend a lot of time in the book talking about how that's done and giving some examples. Right. I try to walk you through basically from getting other people's shortcuts from the gallery so you can see how they're made and then working through increasingly more complicated shortcuts so that I'm hoping that readers will take this as far as they want. If they really want to get into it, they can. If they want to just get a little bit of an idea, they can stop earlier on. But I hope that it's logical enough that if you really are interested, you can kind of work your way through. You did a good job of structuring that conversation about how to ease yourself into that shortcuts application where you're actually writing your own shortcuts. And as you mentioned, there is a gallery of pre-written shortcuts in there. So you can start with these as templates. What kinds of things might we find in the gallery that are already pre-written for us? Well, they're gathered into categories, which is really helpful. Um, There's one called Say Cheese that will let you you use that phrase or whatever phrase you want to have your phone take a picture. Uh, There's one that lets you send your location to, well, as written, you you would say share my location and then it would say, who do you want to send it to? And then it would send it. Um, Play a particular playlist or um, let's see, that's what I can think of offhand. I think there are also a bunch of health ones, and there's all different categories, as you say. Right. Yep, there's one for uh, keeping track of water intake. I remember that. Um, A toothbrush timer. I'm not really sure why anybody needs that, but (laughs) (laughs) a two-minute toothbrush. Making sure we're all being good little boys and girls. Yeah, like you're really going to want your phone to tell you, you haven't brushed your teeth long enough, but hey, if you're into that... (laughs) Hey, don't joke about it. Our son has one of those for his young children, and they actually brush their teeth better on account of the app. All right, I stand corrected. (laughs) But as you say, even if you don't find some of these useful, and they may seem silly on the surface, just looking at how the code is put together and structured and what commands are available can give you some ideas. And maybe if you want to perform a similar task, it'd be easy for you to modify that template rather than write your own from scratch. Exactly. I think one of the great things about it is that any shortcut that you download, you can see how it's written. You can go look at the code and you can make any changes you want. So that leads us on to the next topic, which is actually writing your own shortcut. And, you know, for some people, this might seem to be a bit intimidating because you think you have to be a computer programmer and be typing in lines of computer code, but it doesn't really work like that, does it? No, you're doing a lot of searching for um, items called actions, which are telling the shortcut what it's supposed to do. And so you search. Sometimes that can be a pain trying to find the exact action that you are looking for. There are a lot of them. There are. And um, the search works pretty well. And things are gathered up into categories. And if you really get into it, then spending some time looking through those categories is really good because you might see an action and go, oh, that could be useful. And then one can reorder these actions on the screen as a computer program is written to do these actions in a certain order to perform the task logically. Exactly. And I definitely stress in the book that it's useful to think about before you get started, 
what exactly do you want to do and what order those steps need to be in because you can rearrange them. You can drag them up and down the screen. If you've ever reordered the tracks in a playlist or changed the order things are on the rotor or whatever, you know kind of how that works. But it's useful to think about it ahead of time because sometimes it can get a little finicky, especially on the iPhone where you try to drag something and it moves up 10 spaces instead of two Um, so, you know, it's useful to think ahead, but if you don't, or you think later, it would be better if it did this and you want to add some steps, you can absolutely do that. So I've actually written a few shortcuts myself and I've experienced exactly that difficulty using my finger on the iPhone to move an action up and down the list to the exact point that I want to. Do you have any suggestions as to how to make that process a little bit more reliable or a little easier? I think the easiest thing to do is only keep your finger on the screen for two or three seconds, move it a few at a time, or, well, even if if, if it's going to be somewhere in the middle, think about whether you want to try to start from one end or the other. So if it's at the bottom and you need it to be somewhat near the top, you can slide your finger up and kind of hold for a while and that step will move to the top. But then just put your finger on the screen and move it down a few lift your finger, that particular item will still be selected. So then put your finger back down, move it a few more, lift your finger again. So you're doing it a few steps at a time. It seems to be more predictable that way. Right. So maybe not all at once. I would just like to comment. Um, Pete's totally blind, but I'm fully sighted. And even for sighted people, and presumably anywhere in between, it's actually easier if you move things just a few places at a time, the way you described. That's good to know. There's a footnote to the book. So I've never tried using a Bluetooth keyboard to make those moves. Have you? I have not. Um, I don't know how that would work. I, and I was thinking about it. There, there are some places where you can actually use an action menu and say flick up or down and then double tap. But I don't think, I think that was within some list items you could do that. But I didn't see that as an option overall. Well, we'll see if any of our intrepid listeners try it out and they can let us know what happens. You talked about these actions. For people who haven't been in the Shortcuts app, give us an example of what these actions are and how they might work. Um, well, there are a lot of different complexity levels. Um, for instance, the first shortcut that I have you create from scratch is speaking the current date and time. And so there's one action that finds the date and time, and then there's another action called speak text that does exactly that. It speaks whatever text was created or gathered together by the previous action. And basically, these actions take an input from the previous action and output something else to the next action and it just passes along in the chain that way for the most part. Generally, yeah. There are also ones for device control like turn on airplane mode or turn on Bluetooth and those kinds of things. So there are some that will just simply do something. And then there are other ones that involve taking in a value and then passing that on to something else. Now, the tell me the date shortcut that you first illustrate in the book is a fairly simple one, but you go on to more complex shortcuts also. Yeah, I tried to show some variety and I tried really hard to come up with things that people might actually want to do so that it wouldn't just seem like 
a silly exercise. I mean, that one's pretty basic. And, you know, you can find out the time by touching the top of your screen anyway. But it does teach you the basics of this is an action. This is a parameter because most a lot of actions have parameters, which are settings that you can change. Like with the speaking the text, you can decide whether what at what speed you want it to talk and and which voice you want to use and stuff like that and then as you get into some of the more complicated ones you might have a bunch of different parameters or um, you might even have actions within actions so it, it, it does get more complicated and loops and conditional statements yeah. just like in any real computer program yeah, I think one thing that's kind of fun is that if you do work your way through this, you you will learn some basic programming practices uh, and concepts. And I found out that shortcuts included loops and and conditional statements. I was I said, oh, I could do a pick the number game. You know, where your computer picks a number and you have to guess what it is. And you know, kind of fun to be able to create a simple game as a shortcut. Right. Well, it's nice the way you introduce this in the book. I mean, you start out from the very simple ones that the device and Siri is generating themselves or that someone generated within an app. And then you lead people through developing their own if they actually want to really customize one from very simple to, you know, reasonably complex. I guess the idea is that you don't necessarily have to be a coder, but you should think logically and think like a coder, but you can actually do it without writing code. Right. And hopefully in the process, if this is all new to you, hopefully you can learn some basic coding concepts if that's something you're interested in. You talked about how complex these shortcuts can get with loops and conditions and, and all sorts of stuff. What would you say would be one of the more complex functions that you've programmed up a shortcut for? Well, really, the games that I did at the end, um, the the number guessing game and the dice rolling thing were certainly the most complicated things that I've done. I admit that the ones I've used the most are the download file one, which lets you select a link in a message and then go get that file. Um, I've used that quite a lot. And um, the one that just for, well, I haven't used this one a lot, but I've certainly enjoyed it a couple of times that I've flown since we got uh, shortcuts, was the ability to have one shortcut that will turn on airplane mode, but then also turn on Wi-Fi and Bluetooth so you can use those on your plane trip. And Apple also provides a very easy mechanism for sharing shortcuts if you want to trade shortcuts with friends and debug them or just try other people's shortcuts. Yeah, you can share the shortcut. It will create an iCloud link, which is very easy to share as long as everyone involved is using a computer or an iPhone or whatever. It did become a bit of an issue with the book because those last couple of shortcuts in the book, the number guessing game and the dice roller, I wanted people to be able to download what I had done and go from there and discuss it as opposed to talking them through creating every single step. And those links go on for days. Fortunately, uh, National Braille Press has links to them on the page for my book so that if you are using hard copy Braille, you're not going to have to type in two or three lines of link text. 
That seems to never work. You're bound to make a typo at some point, right? That's a great idea to put those links on the National Braille Press's webpage. Yeah, I was glad they were comfortable with that because it certainly made the whole thing a lot easier since one of the formats is hard copy Braille. And what are the other formats? Word document and uh, DAISY text, which will have audio, but it's a synthesized voice audio. So I encourage people to try out some of those shortcuts. And Anna's book can be a great reference for getting started from the very simple ones to becoming more complex. So at any level, it can be fun and interesting. And useful. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about iOS shortcuts, how to contact Anna Dressner directly, or listen to her on the radio. We never did say the name of the book. Can you tell people what the name of this book is? Getting the Job Done with Shortcuts. And if people want to find that book, where would they go? They go to www.nbp, as in nationalbraillepress.org. And then the easiest thing to do is just search for shortcuts and then there will be a list of books and it'll be, I mean, there are other ones like, you know, keyboard shortcuts and that kind of thing, but it should be, it comes up pretty quick in the search. So if people wanted to reach you directly, how would they do that? Oh, they could write me at wadresner at att.net. And do you have any other resources that you'd like to point people to? to learn more about shortcuts? Let's see. I have several listed in the book. Within the Shortcuts app itself, if you haven't started creating a shortcut yet, if you're in a blank one, there's a help button that will bring up a user guide. AppleViz also is a a really great source. Um, Thomas Donville, otherwise known as Anonymous, did a three-part series of podcasts on shortcuts. That's just excellent. That was a very good and clear podcast. And I would suggest people go to the AppleViz.com website for any questions they have about iOS devices in terms of accessibility for the visually impaired. That's a great resource. Absolutely. Do you and or the National Braille Press have a social media presence? National Braille Press, I know, is on Facebook. I think they're on Twitter. They're, they're on several of them. I am on Twitter. So I understand you're also involved in several radio shows that our listeners might be interested in. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I do two shows on the Phoenix, um, which is the hyphen phoenix.net, because by the time our station was being put together, all the simpler versions of the Phoenix were taken. Um, I do a, a children's show on Sundays and a pagan Jewish folk show on Mondays. So it's... Uh, Kind of a fun mix. And as usual, you can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1922. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about how you can obtain real-time assistance using IRA. We'll speak with Janine Stanley, Explorer Community Manager and Brand Ambassador for IRA, about how the service works, new ways to use IRA, and much more. 
Among other things, IRA is continuing to expand its list of access locations where their highly trained agents can provide free assistance to people with vision loss through the use of their smartphones. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.